This is CES Tech Talk. I'm James Kotecki, back with more intel from day two of CES 2023 in Las Vegas. We convened another great media panel to share the ideas and insights they're seeing at the world's most influential tech event. Enjoy this conversation direct from CES. All right, welcome everyone. It's great to have you here this afternoon. My name is Jim Fellinger. I am a senior manager on the communications team at the Consumer Technology Association. Um, I'm joined by an amazing panel here today to talk about the future of mobility. So without any further ado, uh, I'll let them introduce themselves. All right, okay, here we go. Um, I'm Alex, otherwise known as Supercar Blondie online. Um, we started our online creation uh, or content creation about five years ago, and we now have 100 million followers across our platforms. So all the social media platforms you can think of, we're on there. And uh, we look at the latest tech in cars and, um, yeah, future cars, supercars, concept cars, that's kind of our specialty. Fantastic. My name is Nick. I'm the co-founder of Supercar Blondie and uh, run the day-to-day -day operations. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've started as an influencer basically pre-COVID and then uh, when, when COVID hit and put a hard lockdown, we had to find a new way to generate content and build the team out and now about 40 people uh, across the globe that generate um, content and uh, you know, robotics and uh, future um, uh, tech is really up there with us as the, the car world and the tech world sort of merge. Fantastic. And my name is Dan Zukowski. I'm the transportation reporter for Smart Cities Dive, where I cover planes, trains, and automobiles. And a good portion of my career has been in and around the auto industry, so very happy to be here. Hey everybody, I'm Mike Floyd. I'm the director of editorial operations for Motor Trend. Obviously, uh, one of the oldest, biggest brands uh, in automotive dome. And I've um, uh, been with the company about 16 years in various roles. And uh, obviously, we're one of the biggest outlets out there in the world. Do all kinds of things, uh, video, photos, uh, you name it, uh, words. We do, we do it all. We do it every day. So I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to dive into some specific questions about mobility, but I want to start off with something fun. So can each of you tell me what has surprised you most at this year's CES? Should I start? Okay. Feel free. Uh, so for me, it's been really cool to see the color changing technology. Uh, I'm not sure if it's practical uses at the moment, but I just think it's cool that we can do this now with cars. So for example, with the uh, VW ID7, they have this, you know, phosphorus layer that glows when you put um, electricity electric currents through it and so you can see that car here where different panels kind of glow and light up and then you've got the BMW uh, iVision D and that technology has moved on from last year I don't know if you guys remember but it was it's kind of a big deal when they launched their car last year with the black and white color changing technology and now they've actually upped the game to 32 colors so I was talking to the engineer yesterday and she said it was um, quite difficult to actually uh, program each color because you've got to understand how or which voltage equals 
which color. So say if you run like a 12, 12 volts through it, then that might be light blue. If you run 40 volts through it, that might be a red or something, right? So right. it took about eight or nine months for the team to work out what voltage equals what color. And, uh, and, and depending on the program that they, they put through the layers, uh, a certain color of paint comes to the surface. And I just think that's really cool. Like, for example, Maybe in future we can use this for military vehicles, you know, for camouflage right. tech, something like that. Otherwise, uh, other practical uses could be, you know, blinker systems. Instead sure. of having the lights blink, just a, a part of the whole car will blink uh, from white to yellow or something like that. So I think, I think it's pretty cool. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I, had, uh, had, I was fortunate to have dinner with uh, the president of BYD, Stella Lee, last night. And uh, uh, I wasn't too much aware of actually what BYD was doing because they're mainly based out of China, but they've become the world's largest seller of, of EVs. They, they're selling about 1.8 or 1.9 million individual vehicles this year, which is more than Tesla. And um, we looked at the BYD uh, yesterday on the cars and uh, the, what you see is the future of mobility of changing more and morphing the humans with the car itself and creating living spaces out of that as, as cars become autonomous, right? And what they've put in is a karaoke system. So you can literally have, they have a microphone in the car itself and you can start singing karaoke and I've never seen Incredible. that before. So uh, yeah, that was my highlight. Fantastic. Dan? What really stood out for me was the announcement the other day of the partnership between Solantis and Archer Aviation, uh, which is a company that is developing uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. And the um, Stellantis is going to be not only investing in them, but helping them build the plant and manufacture um, the aircraft. So we're seeing this sort of combination of, of where the automotive industry is going and where the air aviation industry is going. And perhaps not surprisingly, Carlos Tavares, the CEO of Stellantis, was on the board of Airbus, so he knows where what's happening in that space. But it also sort of reinforces um, the significance of what Archer Aviation and their competitors in this, in this area of, of uh, what's sometimes called flying taxis are developing right now. So I think that's a, to me, was a very significant announcement. I think the thing that I saw was um, Snapdragon, which is uh, Qualcomm's uh, software, uh, they developed a whole car for this event and to showcase all the things that they're doing uh, in advanced uh, autonomy, uh, things around uh, the interfaces, the things that, that people use and touch. Um, and they've got so much technology that they just, just, just decided to do their own car around everything they do. So I thought that was really interesting. Fantastic. Well. Walking around West Hall yesterday, where the majority of uh, mobility exhibitors are here at CES, I couldn't help but notice a lot of non-traditional auto names, actually big tech companies. Companies like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, others. What do you make of these companies making their entry into the automotive market? How does that change or disrupt the landscape? Well, I think for me, it's about the software-defined vehicle, right? So. What's happening now is these major players, the Qualcomm's, the Mobileyes, the Googles of the world are getting involved in the software part of how cars are being developed in the future. So uh, we just had our Software Defined Vehicle Innovator Awards last night and we're really on the bleeding edge of what's going on with this 
uh, because it's really changing everything. Uh, I, I've been with Mercedes for the last uh, two days, and they're building out their own operating system, but they're also using technology partners like BlackBerry and, and all kinds of other uh, partners like that because they know they can't do it alone. But they're, they know that they also have to learn from them and they want to do you know, more and more of it themselves, but they also know that they can't. So that's why these big tech partners are getting involved. And I, I agree with you, Mike. And traditionally, the automotive industry, if we go back in, in history, has been a very conservative industry, very focused on design, build, create everything internally or with very limited number of, su of suppliers. And what we've seen in these past several years, and it's clearly accelerating, um, this need to uh, bring in all these different partners. They can't do it all alone anymore. So that's, a, that's been a really to watch this shift in, the in, in this major industry. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add to that quickly, but um, cars for so long were just all about the engine. You know, how can we make it more powerful? How can we make it faster? How can we make it sound better? And now cars are tech. You know, and, and, and we see that because we're at a, we're at a consumer electronics show. I mean, that wouldn't have happened, you know, a decade ago, right? Of course. It's all cars now. And yeah. so um, in order to make cars more tech focused, we need, we need the tech brands to come in. We need, the, we need the experts in those fields. So it just makes sense to me that, you know, we have the Sony Honda collab now, for example. And um, I feel like cars are now not about you know, getting from A to B, it's an extension of your own living room. So it, it's a now another, like you might have a four bedroom house, but now actually you have a five bedroom house because the fifth bedroom is your car, right. you know, and you can do, you can do anything in there. You can sleep in there. You can like invite friends over for drinks while you get somewhere. You can like have a, a sing karaoke and have a karaoke room. Uh, it, I, I just feel like it's more based on the experience now, the tech experience, uh, rather than just the, the drive getting from A to B. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, for example, the Apple car is predicted to come out in maybe 225 or so. But I think the exciting bit is when you have non-automotive uh, brands try to create something or then find a collaboration with someone who understands automotive as well. There's just more innovation around design-wise and how they're going to look, right, and what they're capable of. But if everyone were to think, what is the Apple car going to look like and what you could think, it sounds very exciting, right, and, and very uh, intuitive probably to use and minimalistic and so and so having these uh, tech uh, companies merge with automotive uh, itself, which is, I think, accelerates the, the innovation and, and how cool it's going to be to use and look. Dan, I have a question for you. Uh, we hear the term smart cities thrown around a lot here at CES. Um, can you share with our audience, really, what is a smart city? And more importantly, what does mobility look like in the smart city of the future? That's a really good question, and I think the definition is sort of um, changing almost as we speak. The original definition, I think, that goes back 10 or more years is basically a, a city that will use sensors and other sorts of IoT technology to help perhaps move traffic faster or something as simple as um, transit signal priority to let buses go through on a green light, that sort of thing. But it's, it's clearly evolving beyond that, and I think you're seeing that at some of the exhib exhibitors here. What I think it means for the residents is, I think, a couple of things. It's, it's what does it help, how does it help me get around? How does it help me 
um, feel safer in my city, um, get around more easily, etc. But there's also the privacy concern. When there's sensors all around you and cameras picking you up as you walk along and so forth, citizens are having some, some concerns about that. But, um, but there's no stopping where the technology is going to go, so those things will have to move forward in, in coordination. And Mike, a question for you. Alex mentioned before BMWs changing cars, and that brought up a thought to me. There are just so many more services available in cars now. Where do you see that trend heading? Oh, no question. It's going to be um, the driver, not the driver, well, the driver and the passengers will be able to download all manner of content, uh, videos, uh, you name it. They'll be able to update their vehicles on the fly. So, like, um, they wanted something different in their user interface. Uh, that will be able to be downloaded to their car, and, and you can have that uh, customized. All those kind of things now uh, are on the horizon. And they're on the near horizon. This stuff is actually starting to happen. Uh, like I said, I was with Mercedes, and they're partnering up with this one company where they're delivering all manner of like videos, uh, video services, and the passenger can now watch that stuff uh, with the driver driving. And that's, that's happening now. So uh, these kinds of things are only going to get more and more, um, you know, uh, I guess, um, uh, customized to your preferences, I guess you could say. I just want to add to something else Please. really cool um, with the battery technology. Now, if you need a quick runabout car, you have to buy something small so you can park in the city. And then for the weekends or road trips, you need something bigger. So we all end up buying more than one car for our needs, right? But for example, with uh, Renault, uh, we saw that you can have a more compact car and then the car actually extends. And it will drive onto this kind of um, automatic uh, pad. And that pad will then insert more battery packs into the car because it will extend as you get onto the pad. And then obviously uh, within the car, you've got more room then to be able to fit more batteries. So suddenly you go from a compact car that you can run about town every day to something uh, a little bit more uh, useful for road trips. You know, and you get a longer range with the extra battery right. packs. You get more space in the car because the car is actually physically extended. So I, I think that's quite exciting as well in that you can possibly just buy one car in future and it can have multiple uses. It can be compact, it can be big, it can, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Now, I actually want to ask a follow-up to you both because I know you both have a passion for supercars. So can we talk a little bit about how you see technology transforming supercars in the next five years? I know there have been amazing advancements in the last decade alone. Let's talk about where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bugatti, you know, just formed this partnership with, with Remac, essentially, which is one of the first uh, hyper supercar electric manufacturers. And, you know, I think they sort of announced that Bugatti is not going to produce uh, any more petrol cars, which is, you know, uh, crazy to, to, to hear about and, and to see that trend going. But these hyper cars on the electric side, they're just so much faster than, than what a petrol car car can can produce so 
Um, yeah, and the other thing is the sound, right? So for so long, supercars, hypercars, we've been like, oh, what does it sound like? You know, you turn the engine on, it's like, right. it roars at you. And obviously that's going to go away to some extent when we turn to uh, electric uh, supercars. But what is exciting is speaking to some people, uh, for example, Mitya is the head of design at Lamborghini and he had an amazing idea where instead of having this loud roaring engine, you would actually have instead like subwoofers. And when you go past people on the street, the bass would be so low that you actually wouldn't hear it, you would feel it instead. It's like a visceral experience. Like when you get in, you feel the vibrations of the car without actually hearing anything. So it's like, I just think, I think it's so exciting for the supercar world to go, right, we've always known cars to sound like this, what's the future of how a supercar is going to sound? And, yeah, and totally. Just, no, I'm sorry. Um, uh, the Porsche Taycan is, is a perfect example of a, you know, a borderline supercar, right? And it's all electric. It's incredibly fun to drive. And then the, to your point about sound, you're absolutely right. I think we're going to be able to do things um, like the Dodge, the new Dodge concept, right? Like, these challengers, these, these, you hear them all over the place going bananas, right? So Dodge has got to figure out a way to make that kind of sound in those people like the, that have always been buying those challengers and chargers to like, really engage with that, right? Because that's, that's absolutely part of the experience, right? So uh, that's going to be a big challenge when you start to get to these cars. But right now, uh, the EV, like, you know, very high-performance EVs are really fun to drive. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to that sound as well, like BMW, and it's crazy, as partnering with Hans Zimmer, Oscar-winning composer for The Lion King, for example, and Batman and other great movies, and have him compose sound effects for, for their future EV uh, range and cars. Like, I mean, that's... That's insane, right? Yeah, like you, you get yeah. in and, and, and you turn the engine on and it like sounds like a, a pride of lions or something, you know. It's incredible. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's no end to it. So it begs the question then, is the fire-breathing V12 dead? I don't think, I don't know. I, I think there will always be some V12s. Um, there is, a, but there will be a much smaller market for it. And partly because manufacturers need to adhere to very strict emissions uh, standards now, right? So they can't just go around and produce, you know, a thousand V12s. They might produce 10 V12s a year, who knows? But those things will become collect very collectible cars. Yeah. I don't think they will go away. No, I, I don't think so either, but it'd probably be boutique automakers, you know, low volume type stuff. I think you're right. Like the, the Lamborghinis of the world, they've all but said there will be no more V12s. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think uh, to your point, there, there will be some form of that. You know, and obviously there's going to be a collector car market forever. As a car guy from way back, I'd still like to be able to drive a manual transmission. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, as many of you know, the Indy Autonomous Challenge is taking place here at CES. For those who don't know, this is a fully autonomous uh, vehicle race. It's pretty incredible to watch. Um, but there's been a big question mark around when autonomous vehicles are really going to reach full adoption. Uh, there are many who have said that there's just been an enormous amount of hype here, that the technology is years and years out. I'd like to start uh, with Mike and work our way down. Uh, how far do you think we really are from near full adoption of that sort of technology? Uh, we're, we're quite a ways away. And now, obviously, Tesla's you know, basically 
you know, they're pushing the envelope with their technology, their full self-driving technology. But uh, even they right now say you must have, like, it's in the fine print, right? You must uh, be in control of the vehicle at all times, right? And I was with Mercedes, and they have a level three system, which is a, a system where you can kind of keep your eyes off the road and do things, but you can't go to sleep, you can't do anything. And they're testing it now in Nevada. But like basically, I mean, that's just like a dipping a toe in the water, right? They're doing it commercially in Germany. They're rolling it out soon. So, but it's it's a very very small like you know incremental step. Uh, I think we're probably 10 to 15 years away before you get to a point where you could read a book or fall asleep in a car. I, and that's that's probably optimistic, honestly. Um, but we'll see. So I've been um, doing some stories along those lines and have looked, talked to the folks at Qualcomm, at Amberella here today, and speaking to en engineers. In fact, I'll be speaking to, uh, to um, someone from the IEEE later today. One of the things that, or perhaps a key thing that could put us over the line in terms of real safety, real uh, possibility for, for level three, level four, level five autonom autonomy is what's called the system on a chip. It, it's, a, it's a, and the, these things are literally the size, less than the size of your palm. And they will take in all of the data, they take in all the data from the cameras, the LIDAR, the radar, process the perception, that's called the perception, do the fusion, which is putting it all together, understanding what the big picture is of what's happening around the car, and then being able to do the response. Now, um, what the engineers are telling me is this will be possible in the next five years. So that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'll just go with the five years. It sounds like a, a good idea. Yeah. Um, the same, like what he, he sounds said. like he knows yeah. what he's talking uh, about. You know, we've It's not we've me, it's the engineers. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think one part is legislation right and the whole liability issue of what, what if something happens and it was caused by a robot rather by, by a human and how you go about that although I think it will be much safer than humans driving like they had here here's, here's a, a person uh, a stand where they uh, have a breathalyzer on the steering wheel itself and you can actually test it and see whether whether you have been alcohol or not and uh, there's stuff around that that you might become compulsory that before you can even get in a vehicle, it has to be breathalyzed and the vehicle does it itself, right? But we've, we've been on the autonomous side with, with Mercedes. They have a whole fake autobahn in Germany and a whole test track with, where they placed all the cars and the car would just drive by itself through and, uh, you know, parking in and out into parking, uh, parking spaces or actually finding the park. The car can do it all by itself. So I think the technology is super advanced to be able to do it, but I think legislation and people Trusting it is, is, I think, another issue that might delay it longer. Yeah, and also, I just want to drive. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, talking, we're probably talking to you know, a number of gearheads out there. What is driving without the experience? Yeah, I mean, I, like even lane assist really annoys me. It's <laughs> I have to turn it off every time I get in. It's like, let me drive. Um, you know, so I think there's going to be, I'd rather it be fully autonomous and I get in the car knowing, okay, this is my nap time or this is my time to like watch a movie or something, or I get in the car to drive, to experience that. I don't like the in-between. I don't know. There's just something about me not liking that kind of like 
faux assist and it's like no no i've been able to do this for 20 years i can still stay in the lane you know right <laughs> so. well, well let's talk about actually dan do you have another point I just wanted to add on to that. It, it's, it is the in-between that is the problem. And one of the things that we're seeing here is the rise of these driver management systems or driver supervision systems where they're going to be monitoring you if your eyes go off the road, if you are texting, if you're doing something that that's not focused on the actual act of driving. And that's going to be that in-between situation where you're still at level two, level three, and you, you are responsible, but... Too many of us, all, we will let ourselves be distracted and, and so on. So that's another aspect that's coming in as well. That's great. And I'm seeing that we are coming close to the end of our time here. So I want to end on a pretty fun note. So there have been a lot of technology trends that have emerged at CES this year. There are certainly mobility trends that are top of mind this year. I'm asking you all each to make a bold prediction What's one thing that we're going to be talking about at CES 2024 that we're not talking about enough at CES 2023? Um, Mike, we can start with you and work our way down, or if, if one of you is ready, please jump in. Uh, I think it's, it's the software-defined vehicle. Um, it's how software is going to interact with the car. It's how they're building the cars. Uh, we're already seeing it a little bit, but I think next year and in the following years, it's going to be even bigger. I don't know if it's going to be next year or certainly by the year after, but in the next year or two, we're going to be taking rides in, in a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft right from out there. Sounds easier than the traffic line out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if there'll be one certain thing. I think there are a lot of different ideas uh, being put out there, and I think obviously some of them have more practical uses and others are just something cool to look at, and you're like, oh, man, that's the future. That could come in 50 years or so. But... Simple things like lighting features, uh, instead of uh, cars always having chrome accents, you know, the cool thing was for a car to have chrome grill or chrome accents on the side. It's like, wow, that's fancy. Now it's lights. You know, the, 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 the way that you accent a car is now with the uh, badge lighting up or the, the, the wheel arches having a light feature or something like that. I think light lighting itself is going to be a huge feature of cars in, in the future. And also things like shy tech, like really um, reducing everything you see in the vehicle so you don't have any like buttons everywhere until you need them. So as soon as you place your hand somewhere, then the buttons light up in light form and then you can press whatever you need to be able to activate, you know, the door or the windows or whatever else. But until you need it, it's gone. It's not there. You don't see it. So I think that's kind of two features that I'm looking forward to seeing more of. Yeah, what I haven't really seen, not that I've seen everything here, is hydrogen technology. So we visited uh, Hyperion, which is a company in, in California that uh, uses NASA technology and created a, a, a full hydrogen car, a hypercar, um, and the sole emission it has is water, just water coming out the back end, right? And I think that is probably even more uh, sustainable and, and is the real future rather than actually EV. So um, 
that is something I, I haven't really seen here at all at the moment, and uh, I think that's that's probably a space to look out for as well. Yeah, we were driving the Hyperion in LA, and it's a fully functioning car. It's just at the moment, uh, it's 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 the parts are too heavy. I, I don't know everything about it at this point, but what I took away from it is the technology just isn't there yet to to be able to have a fully functioning car go hundreds of kilometers on hydrogen. It can go a short distance, but at this point, they don't they haven't uh, reached that that point. But it means that you're not sourcing materials for batteries. You're not trying to recycle batteries. Um, the emissions are, uh, you don't have you know you're not sourcing electricity um for the for the batteries to run on and it's purely just water vapor out the back it's it's quite incredible and i think yeah you're right i think we're going to see more of that yeah toyota already has a vehicle called the mirai yeah. that's out in um so there are hydrogen vehicles out there but you're absolutely right i think the japanese are incredibly high on hydrogen uh i think you're absolutely right there's there are some um issues around creating the hydrogen and making making it like fully available and fully usable like uh we had a mariah in for a year and it was difficult to uh fuel it up anywhere outside of the los angeles area so uh there are some challenges some significant challenges around it but it is a great propulsion uh, uh in hopefully in the future yeah well i think that's a fantastic note for us to end on how about a Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. You've just downloaded the latest insights from CES 2023 into your brain. And of course, there's always more tech to talk about. So please subscribe to this podcast and don't miss a moment. You can get even more CES at ces.tech. That's ces.tech. Our show is produced by Nicole Vitovich with Mason Manuel and Kristen Miller, edited by Third Spoon with our lead audio engineer, Andrew Lin. I'm James Kotecki, Talking Tech on CES Tech Talk.